Garçon, coffee. Welcome to the Coffee and Death Sticks podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchant. And we are checking in on two different Marvel projects, both the theatrical release or premiere access release of Black Widow and the season finale, not series finale, for the first season of Loki. So we're going to kind of go back and forth and talk about both projects, uh, how they relate to each other, what it means for the future of the MCU. So before we go any further, I will say spoiler alert for just like being caught up with Marvel altogether. So we could talk about really any of the movies. I think particularly Endgame and Black Widow will be coming up and then all three of the shows, I'm sure, but specifically Loki. So if you haven't seen Black Widow yet, if you haven't seen the Loki season finale, we would advise you not to listen yet. Yeah. So why don't we start with Danny? What did you think about the Loki finale prior to seeing Black Widow? Um, I really enjoyed the finale. I really enjoyed the show as a whole. I have, I think I've slowly come to realize that I have a very love hate relationship with Marvel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there have been parts of it that I've really enjoyed and parts of it that just exhaust me. And I think after Endgame, I was kind of hoping that like it would all just stop, which was foolish of me. But Loki, I really enjoyed it. I was sort of not going to watch it because I hadn't enjoyed the Falcon and the winter soldier. And while I did enjoy WandaVision more, it wasn't like, I wasn't like hugely invested in that show or those characters, but I watched Loki. I had heard the first episode was good and the subsequent episodes were not so good. That is not my takeaway. I enjoyed the whole show and I enjoyed the finale in particular. I definitely was feeling the sort of overarching Marvel Here's where we're going. We've set up our new sort of main villain. Again, it's that Marvel thing. Nothing can just sort of stand on its own. But as a show about Loki, sort of a sort of variant version of Loki, kind of learning to be a little less of a dirtbag, I enjoyed it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And for me, the experience of watching Black Widow was a very quick uh, reminder of why I kind of feel sort of ambivalent to a lot of the Marvel stuff. So it was a very interesting day because it was basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. You Right. They were both on the same day for you. Yeah. So I started off the morning being like, Hey, you know what? I do like aspects of Marvel. I do kind of enjoy cosmic character driven, high concept sci-fi stuff. And then at night it was like, I'm so sick of these wannabe bond and born writers trying to make these big spy thrillers with characters that are fundamentally silly. And that's, that, that's basically it in a nutshell. I didn't hate black widow at all. I, it's not a, it's not like a bad movie. I just, it was, it was not my cup of tea. Yeah. I think black widow exemplifies the bad of Marvel, right? Where it's like, they haven't made a bad movie really. Like all of the movies are watchable and, but this one is in that category of perfectly average watchable strives to be something else, but isn't. And yeah, the born and bond comparisons are good. I, I didn't read or see too much, you know, interviews from the cast and crew, but I did see Scarlett Johansson compared this to the fugitive and Terminator two. And it's like, that's, that's not what this is. You know, puts its hands in so many different types of genres. Like I got a a feel about the Americans television series a little bit. 
uh, in the beginning, yeah. you know, and yes. like a, a, which would have been a, a better movie, which would have been a better movie and a family movie. And yes, some sort of like spy thriller and like, you know, off the grid type thing, but it's all just cobbled together to make a, just an average Marvel superhero movie. Uh, which is a shame because this is one of their better characters. Mm-hmm. They owed this. I don't know why they didn't make this movie years ago while they were saying that they, Oh, I don't know if there's a market for this movie. Scarlett Johansson was making action movies where she was the main character that made money. Correct. So I don't really understand why they took so long. I mean, I completely understand why they took so long. I just still think like, it's such a shame that we're finally getting a standalone black widow movie. And it's just sort of like tossed off, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not really about anything huge. It just seemed to be sort of, it's setting up some things for the Falcon and the winter soldier universe of Selena Meyer is the villain in that corner in that neck of the woods. It's just sort of wedged between civil war and Endgame, And it's came out so delayed that it's kind of yeah. uh, contrasting with Loki's kind of big multiverse spoilers, Kane, the conqueror storyline that they're setting up. And it's just, Oh yeah, here's the black widow movie. Jesus. Bye she has some family that are also spies. Like it's just, it was very throwaway. And it's like, this is one of your bigger characters that I think kind of got shafted in Endgame, And I don't really agree with the decisions they made with that, with that character killing her off. And so it was just sort of disappointing. It was, it was a letdown because I thought the trailer for this looked good. I was kind of excited for this movie because I do think the black widow character is interesting more interesting than Hawkeye. And uh, this was kind of a, this was a letdown for sure on, on that front. Yeah. I initially suspected that this movie was going to benefit from the COVID delay because yeah. it just felt like, you know, Endgame was this biggest blockbuster movie experiences, if not the biggest that we'll ever see that yeah. like really ended all the 10 years of these 22, 23 movies up, up to that point. So it seemed like they needed a break. They needed to hit the pause button, but the Spider-Man movie came out like a couple months after it. I know that one's like a little less tied in, but it that felt way too soon. And then to have a standalone movie, like you said, from the character who's been in all of these movies, but hasn't had her own outing, to have it come after, spoiler alert, she dies, and to place it in like a time period that is not interesting like oh what was she up to between civil war and infinity war you know what it doesn't matter like that because we know where she ended in civil war and then we see where she picks up in infinity war and it's like there i never questioned like what was what was black widow doing in that one year two year whatever it is in the movies i know release date wise it was two years but you know the question never crossed my mind so it's like let's take someone who's had an interesting backstory that's only been hinted at and then we're going to make a movie around her in a time period that doesn't matter. We're going to introduce characters that don't matter, have never been mentioned before, though some of them were fun. And then stick her in like a bad Bond movie plot with a bad Bond movie type villain. And and then, like you said, and, so, de- and demystify some of her backstory. Yeah. Take the mystery out of things that were alluded to in previous movies and turn them into hackneyed very predictable twisty plots oh, yeah yeah yeah. there is a twist in this movie that it's like i knew the twist before the movie even started if oh that yeah, makes yeah, any yeah sense is that it's who, like uh, the taskmaster who, who taskmaster yeah. is it's just like it is the most obvious i can i think there is now like a sub 
there's like two subgenres of Marvel properties um, because no one's really doing the Joss Whedon approach anymore because Age of Ultron wasn't as successful as the first Avengers and other things connected with Joss yeah. Whedon. So now there's sort of like the Guardians of the Galaxy approach or like the Taiko ITT approach. Like it's a loopy, fun, cosmic capers. Like that's kind of, there's that approach. And then there's the Winter Soldier approach. But none of the movies that, have, none of the, the, the stories that have tried to replicate the Winter Soldier have worked. The, the twists in the Winter Soldier, apart from the one that they, you know, everyone knows, which is that Bucky's the Winter Soldier. That's not the big twist. The big twist in the Winter Soldier is that Robert Redford's the villain. Like, that's the yeah. twist. That Hydra is, is that S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra are essentially one of the sh- same. That's the big twist. And that those twists worked in that movie, like, really, really well. It was such a logical sequel for, here's this guy from the 1940s. He's been thawed. He just fought aliens. And now he works for the government. What is his experience going to be? Not positive at all. Like, he's not going to have a good time. It's a movie about the greatest generation taking down the military industrial complex. Like, it's, it's, but, but not taking it so seriously that you're just miserable the whole time. Like, it's a, it's a really fun comic book movie. And because of how successful it was, they keep trying to make these sort of spy thrillers and, they're not interesting. They're not compelling. The twists and turns are not involving. And that's what this felt like. Just another chapter in there. Ooh, we're going to make a cool conspiracy thriller, but it's going to be about comic book characters. It's like, well, that kind of only worked once. And here's another example of it not working. Dracoff's daughter, uh, Loki refers to this in, on the helicarrier in the first Avengers movie. It's like, again, it's a throwaway line, like uh, Budapest, Dracoff's daughter, or whatever that line is. And now it's the taskmaster is the brainwashed daughter of Dracoff and Dracoff lived. And we just need something to kind of fill two hours to Mm -hmm. justify the fact that we're sort of slapping together this standalone Black Widow movie where what they should have done is before she joined the Avengers, she was part of this very odd fake family of Russian super assassins. That is hands down the best stuff in the movie. The relationship between her and Florence Pugh, those are the best scenes in the movie. And then it gets bogged down by this dumb Marvel movie. Yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of that's kind of what it felt like. It's it, it another example of you have a director who wants to do one thing and an overarching production team that needs it to do a different. Yeah, and I think that's why it it suffered from if this had come out last May, movie going audiences would have had a closer connection to Black Widow because it had only been a year removed since she passed away. There wouldn't have been all of those Disney Plus shows. So I think that would have actually been better for this. It would have just been kind of a throwaway, like, okay, they, you know, they had to do something a little smaller post Endgame. They picked this, but that was one of the reasons I was looking forward to this. Like, you, you know, you said, in addition to being interested in seeing a standalone Black Widow movie, I was looking forward to a refreshing, smaller scale, ground level Marvel movie. And then they just couldn't help themselves. You know, she she is doing things and surviving things that no regular person would be able to survive. And I know it's a movie, but it took it quite far. She's flying off of a, an exploding space station or, you know, sky station at the end of the movie. And like, 
I think part of the charm and the appeal of the character is that she is sort of like, this might be going too far, but she, she's, she's like the Batman of the group. Like she doesn't have any powers. She's just this incredibly gifted assassin sort of martial arts combat expert with a dark past who just finally wants to contribute positively to the world. It's she's an interesting character. She's been written all over the place because different people have been sort of in charge of her characterization, but the performance has always been good. And you always get the clear sense that Natasha's whole thing is I used to do terrible things and this is my way of making up for it. I'm going to help these weirdos save the world. It's a great hook. And it's a shame that it's like they squandered it really badly in her solo movie that again she should have had years ago she's finally getting it and they're just kind of having her do these things that are sort of not in character either in terms of her nature and also in terms of like physically like no she's not a superhero that's the that's the appeal of this character is that she's just a person trying who she's just a uh, an exceptionally good-hearted person and that, yeah, this movie felt screenwriter committee, uh, you know, studio committee, where that idea gets kind of tossed around there every once in a while. Like they're, and they throw in like, oh, well, you know, where's one of the big guys? Like what, one of the big, so that should have been a bigger theme, I think, is her being, like you said, like the Batman of these movies. She doesn't have superpowers, but she, you know, she's able to add such a great element to the team. And there was just a line here or there that didn't make it seem like it, uh, that it was fully developed. So yeah, yet another issue with with these Marvel movies, right? Like again, none of them are terrible. They're all fine. But the mediocre ones all feel like groupthink and there's no like vision. Like this didn't have any like visual appeal to it. You know, so that is what I missed from that earlier era. Like you mentioned Joss Whedon and Kenneth Branagh and Joe Johnston. Like when they worked on it, there was at least like a style, you know? Yes. And and that that is lacking uh, where I think Loki was better with. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, if I do, in retrospect, wish this came out last year, it would have just been, yeah, okay, that's the start of phase four. Let's see where it goes from there. Though I would have been a little more nervous is a very strong word when I'm talking about, what does Martin Scorsese call these amusement park movies? Amusement park movies. <laughs> amusement, park, amusement, park, or amusement park rides, right? Yes. So, so nervous is a strong hyperbolic word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, I would have been nervous with the post-credit scene with this just being like, why is Julie Louis-Dreyfus blue hair? <laughs> you know, what? what is she, you know, so it seems like she's maybe like a resurgence of Hydra or something like that. This yeah. is why I love not knowing the comics. I, like, I, I just have no idea who she is. I know a little bit. She's from the sort of, there's a writer named Jim Steranko who kind of reinvented Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. He like reinvented those comics. He's the most important comic writer ever, according to Jim Steranko. Okay. And that's a character from from his sort of run. And again, that was a very sort of James Bond inspired yeah. take on the character. So I think that's where this corner of the Marvel Universe is going. She's going to be the arch villain of this espionage section. I don't know how that's going to connect with Kane the Conqueror in the, yeah. multi- in the multiversal war, which to me is much more interesting. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, this is a classic. We, we defeated Thanos and now we're fighting the Countess and her. Is that her name? The Countess? I, think I don't even know. The Countess, well, it, the Contessa. It, it we're going to fight me. her and her minions. It's like, uh, you, you beat Thanos. Like <laughs> it, it reminded me of uh, the post credit scene to the theatrical Justice League, 
where it's like they defeat yes. the giant the giant space monster who wanted to take over the universe yes. and then yes. it's Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and you know uh, the Injustice Gang Destro saying why don't we have a gang of their own it's like they just fought us <laughs> they just yeah. fought a space monster what are you going to do against Superman you know yeah. so watch out but, for Weather Wizard <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or Captain Cold or whoever Captain you know Cold. yeah yeah it's like give me a break so that is that was the vibe I got from that and you know that character had been in falcon and winter soldier so interesting i I went to a theater to see this which was nice first time since october and i went with a friend who has not yet watched falcon and winter soldier so when that when julie louis dreyfus came on screen there were a couple snickers from the the limited audience that some of them could have just been oh that's elaine or that's selena meyer you know but some of them may have also said oh that's the that's the lady with blue hair from you know (laughs) falcon and winter soldier so I had to explain, well, I said, you're, you're going to meet her again, but it, you know, she's had basically the same, the same role. Like, yeah, she's right. like anti Nick Fury, maybe right. like Hydra, whatever. So it's like, that's fine, I guess. But, but that seems so, so pointless in such small scale, which again, I, I would have found refreshing in a sense if, if this movie just was like a born movie or, you know, but it just had so many different elements going on. Yeah. But you are right that the best stuff was certainly, you know, anything with Rachel Weiss and David Harbour and Florence Pugh. They were all fun characters. So I'd be okay going along with them, maybe again. I did find it humor. I have to mention that the only actor in this in a somewhat prominent role who was Russian doesn't talk. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's, yes. <laughs> that they have yeah. all these, you know, fake Russian accents with mostly English yeah. uh, performers. And then the one. Russian Olga uh, uh, yeah. and she's a very good actor. Like and she's, she's a and she's a Bond uh, character, so I thought that yeah. was full circle. Yeah, she's good, and then they don't let her say anything. <laughs> they instead go with the bad accents. She's in a movie called uh, Centurion, where she plays a evil Pictish huntress, where she also doesn't speak. I think she does have a very good screen presence, but yeah, it is funny that she actually is Russian and can actually do a Russian accent but no she's just the brainwashed taskmaster being controlled by ray winstone <laughs> oh my gosh i know i, yes, I, love, I, ray mean, I love seeing ray winstone but it was like he, he's a great actor and he so he and because he's a great actor he gets cast in a lot of these genre movies and he's always a distraction i find that he's always like it's just like what's he like he belongs in sort of independent movies and gangster films like he doesn't really fit with these big like indiana jones is a good example he's oh, terrible yeah. and that's yeah. a terrible character he does a terrible job cats he plays growl tiger he's terrible in that oh, as God. well i was just like, about to say i haven't <laughs> seen him in anything in a while but i guess you have and his last big role was growl tiger and it's just sort of he shows up and it's just like he can be he can be almost a parody of himself a, a little bit just because he's got that sort of ridiculous bob hoskins-esque voice and the character ended up not being interesting it's like you cast Ray Winstone as this sort of corrupt, debauched Russian general, and he just ultimately doesn't do anything. Yeah, it follows in a lot of those. This was very Captain Marvel or Thor the Dark World for me. You know, just that, like, there aren't that many things absolutely wrong with it. I, there were a couple plot points that I, I, I thought, I wish there was more motivation for Rachel Weiss's character. Yes, she should have been the villain. I mean, yes, it, it felt like that was where it was going. It's that this woman is actually a lot darker and sinister than you'd hope she'd be. Yeah, she was like the Dr. Mangala to the whole yeah. thing. Like, that's what, yeah. that's what I thought they were positioning her as. 
but then she was mom and she decided to help because she's their mother figure and that yeah, you know and then they, it's family it's about it's about family <laughs> they didn't do anything interesting with uh, red guardian either like they didn't no. I thought that was going to be sort of like a deconstruction of how like patriotism can like kind of make you behave like a buffoon but no it's just he is just a big lovable buffoon <laughs> yeah. very one note which is disappointing because those could have been really interesting characters sort of the washed up old soviet hero and the on the surface maternal warm nurturing person who's actually what's the word kind of a black widow you know what i mean like they could have they could have done they could have done something but instead they just do kind of like some hackneyed twisty the sins of the past coming back to to haunt disappointing really disappointing i was i was i was i gotta say i was looking forward to this one and this was a it was a letdown for sure yeah. Well, it was not so much of a letdown. You, you already shared a little bit of your thoughts on Loki. And uh, yeah, watching this, you know, for me, just a day later and you the same day, this is much more, I think, what we're looking for, the weirdness. We both, in fact, I think in our, our podcast on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we both said, I believe your words were, I'm fucking dreading the Loki show. Yes, I <laughs> and, was. And I felt the same way because it was like the same, all the three shows, what they've had in common so far is they're all starring characters that I don't really care about their character arcs because it's either already happened or it like wasn't really developed in the movies. So like we're backtracking. That was more the case with WandaVision. And then with Falcon and Winter Soldier, it was that we, we've we already had resolution. Since, by the way, since then, I the other night, I watched like the last 10 minutes of Endgame. And yeah, I forgot how much closure there is with Anthony Mackie's character. And He's Steve Rock. America. So, it's it, insulting it, that he's not. There's a whole show about him earning it. It's like he already earned it. He's already a superhero. Which which was my memory of the scene, but it was even more clear yes. than I remembered it. There, there was nothing left to the imagination. He, he is that movie ended with Captain America. Yeah, you are, you are, you're the Cap now, and Bucky looks so sort of I, like, he, he's like, that is the correct decision. Exactly. Sam should absolutely be Captain America. I remember watching The Winter Soldier and thinking, oh, this will be the new Captain America. When, when, when Chris Evans is done, Anthony Mackie will be Captain America. Yeah, they should have just made Captain America 4, starring Anthony Mackie as Captain America. <laughs> exactly, right. Which they're uh, going to do inevitably. You know, they're, they're already planning it, so I don't know why they didn't just do that. Yeah, which is also... So that's what's so jarring. <laughs> Basically, I wish... I wish the Black Widow movie had come out last May or that they just never made it. That would have been nice. You know, well, this version of it. I'm not right. saying not you know, exactly. this version of if it. If you're going to half-ass it, don't do it. Yeah. So WandaVision, I'm fine with kicking off Phase 4. And then if it was followed by Loki, it'd be like, okay, these are both weird. And they're both yes. getting at the multiverse, which we finally have in, in Marvel. It's weird. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been so much better than the DC both cinematic universe and the CW shows, but the CW DCU have beat Marvel to a lot of things like mm-hmm. a standalone female movie with wonder woman, uh, you know, mm-hmm. starring movie and the multiverse that has actually been handled fairly well on the CW shows. Yeah. And, and that, and I know more about the DC comics than I do Marvel. So I'm much more familiar with the idea of a multiverse from DC's perspective, but the animated Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse obviously hinted at this also, but now it looks like we're finally, we're finally there. So looking forward to that. And I wish that, like you said, had been the, like they introduced that villain at that time, you know? So, so then we knew what we were dealing with earlier. Like when this movie 
if you had seen Black Widow last May and then didn't see any of these series, you would have been like, oh my God, the villains are going to be cobbled together groups from Julie Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah, exa- they're going to be like little discount Blofelds. But instead, it's going to be He Who Remains, Kane the Conqueror, this, yeah. this guy living at the end of time, if I understood it correctly. And I love that they, that actor is really, I've seen him in uh, Lovecraft County, I think is the show that he's sort yes. of. Yes most known for he's he's a really interesting actor and it's like they're not just doing the i mean because kane the conqueror is a ridiculous name like that is such a I, but again though i like that they're embracing it it's it's the 1960s 70s jack kirby silly it's not a joke like it's not just like a throwaway trash but it is let's have some fun let's let's use it's just a guy trying to be like what if there was like an alien who existed in multiple realities and variants across different unit like it's fun but not not like a parody just sort of like a bit looser and a bit more um i think that's kind of you mentioned that dc is sort of beaten i mean that's the same in the comics dc kind of did everything first and then marvel did it better their whole thing was they they made these characters more relatable they didn't treat everyone like gods like all the villains in marvel and marvel storytelling are people who think they're gods and the heroes of DC are always talked about as if they are gods. I think that's a very interesting difference between the two. The heroes of Marvel are just people, even if they are gifted, have powers, and they're fighting against people with delusions of grandeur and importance. And, you know, here's this guy who's like, I'm going to... His plans are still... I, I don't quite quite fully understand. His motive isn't as sort of cut and dry and easy to wrap your head around as Thanos yet. But I do think... If you're gonna follow up Thanos, like no, don't pick the spies. Like you, you pick Kane. The like this is who you pick a, a yeah. larger than life uh, villain who threatens all of reality. Like that's a threat that you can follow up Thanos with. And they characterized him in a different way. He's not like this monologuing. Well, he is monologuing, but he's not the same as he's not the same as Thanos. Like it's perfect. It's a it's a very smart decision. Like I'm excited for. I didn't think I would be. I, I but I'm excited for this whole multiverse of madness that they have cooking like it seems like it could be really interesting me too Um, yeah and it's it's banking on the fact that yeah there are i mean again i don't know if they actually are making a spider-man movie with toby Maguire and andrew garfield but the internet's convinced that they are but i mean there are actors that have played spider-man like there are these other properties and it could be fun to kind of play with that a little bit right Yeah, and speaking of Spider-Man and going back to something we were talking about earlier, what I'm very excited about is the Doctor Strange sequel having a filmmaker with a name. Like Sam Raimi is making, he hasn't made a movie. Yeah, he hasn't made a movie in seven or eight years. And he's back to Marvel in a sense. And he's playing with a weird character that I think matches (laughs) his sensibilities. And um, Scarlet Witch is going to be in that as well. So that'll be a fun pairing. So like, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I agree with you on everything you said about the villain with Loki. So going back to our initial concerns with Loki was like, he had such a satisfying ending in Infinity War that it's like, we don't like, are we really going to go back into that? Well, so I had that concern a little bit in the first episode, but then it created such a cool concept. And then the entire show is about the idea of variance and different realities and different decisions. And Loki learns lessons a different way, not you know, through his brother this time more, it's through, he he literally learns to love himself. (laughs) So it's like, oh, that's, that's a different enough. So it earned, this show earned redoing Loki. First of all, I mean, 
we both love Hiddleston in the role. So that was never it's, a concern. It was like, it, hey, it's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. It's J.K. Simmons as J. Jones. This is a, a perfectly cast like he was born to play this part. Absolutely. So having him back and then earning a fresh story in yeah. such a weird world and then great side character. Like I loved like almost every character in this. It reminded uh, me of The Mandalorian. Each episode yeah. in and of itself is satisfying. And yeah. it completely, we, we never, you never get bored of any one story thread because each aspect of it is explored really is fully and satisfyingly. And it builds towards one conclusion. I could have watched a whole show of Loki traveling through time as a consulting detective at crime at time crime scenes. But I mean, you can't actually make a show like that would get boring. So they just kind of get really into it over the course of like one episode. And then they yeah. explore alien planets at the end of time. Like they each episode fully explores the premise. And each episode has this little cast of characters that appears. I mean, I have to confess, I wasn't going to watch this show. What finally convinced me to watch it was I saw a still image of Richard E. Grant and that ridiculous cloth get up and i was like okay i'm i gotta watch the show <laughs> like yeah whatever i have to get to whatever that moment is and like i'm he's only in it for one episode plus a sort of end credits sequence and he makes a wonderful impression he's delightful as this sort of oh, yeah. i think his whole thing is that he is a loki who healed himself he exiled himself because he realized he was such a nuisance and he's older and wiser but the decision to dress him in the classic 60s getup was perfect. And to cast Richard E. Grant, who I love that this weird English character actor from the 90s is having a renaissance as like just a dependable bit part player in these huge, in these mm-hmm. huge genre movies. Yeah. And again, it's that Loki did die in Infinity War. The arc that Loki has happened, and this is just a weird offshoot who is given the opportunity to avoid all that pain and suffering. And just quickly realize, oh, there's a better way to be. I th- they don't make him a, a hero. It's just that he falls in love with himself, which is the only person he can fall in love with because he's still Loki. And he just kind of learns to get out of his own head. And he the whole that that's the big line in the finale is he just wants Sylvie to be okay. That's all he wants. It's perfect. It's it's the redemption arc that Loki that makes sense for Loki. Yeah. You know, he doesn't quite redeem himself in the proper timeline he just learns to sort of not actively cause harm but he gets killed because he can't keep his mouth shut <laughs> like right, right, right. His, his ambition and his scheming is what gets him killed so i like that they keep that intact and now now we get to explore this adventure with what if loki broke off in a separate timeline and had this whole experience with another variant of himself and learned to like you said learn to love himself yeah it's great it is. And it, you know, like you said, it pretty much all the episodes, like I had heard that the second and third weren't as good. And I, I guess the third is probably the weakest episode, but it's still yeah. enjoyable. I mean, it, it's, Very. it's meant to give you a character building moment for Sylvie. You're supposed to learn yes. her, you know, her storyline. And uh, those two have excellent chemistry. They play off each other very well. And it was a neat setting. Uh, like I like the yeah. like avoiding the apocalypse. And I, so even if that was the worst episode, I enjoyed it very much. And it was um, that that is the, the weakest episode takes place on a dying planet and you learn huge things about your characters. And it's there's that little moment where Loki, it dawns on Loki that they will be other people are dying so that they can accomplish their mission. And it's like the first time Loki has ever sort of thought like, oh, my actions in service of myself have consequences to other people. Right. 
again, right. just a nice subtle little moment on his journey to kind of realizing that I, I should stop antagonizing every single person I come into contact with. It's a perfect little mini arc for him. Yeah. What I was most impressed by was its ability to pay off the villain because mm -hmm. this sort of story, I was thinking of so many different movies. I think I'm going to say a movie and you're going to say the exact quote probably, but the minute they introduced the idea of the time Lords and yes. uh, actually the first I'll keepers. say the time, excuse me, the timekeepers. So first I'll say another movie. I love the little explanation video. It reminded me a lot of Jurassic park when, oh, you know, yeah, like the anime, that was, yeah. Miss minutes. Who is Tara strong that I noticed later. Uh, yeah. I said, Oh, yes. great. Um, great actor voice actor yeah the minute that idea was introduced i said there there will not be three gods like time gods no, yes. like of course not which ended up being true though i thought it, then i did not think it was going to be king the conqueror i thought it would be like a variant of loki or mm -hmm. like yeah. one of the time agents uh like uh Gugu, M I, I'm gonna. Oh my god! I'm not even gonna try to. <laughs> she's uh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Re Renslayer, Ravona Renslayer. Ravona Renslayer. Yeah. I thought she. You know, maybe it'll be her. I. I was thinking the twist was gonna be it was a different variant of Loki was kind of behind the scenes. So the fact that they didn't do that, but the the movie I was thinking of Star Trek Five. Ah. Yes, when I'm. <laughs> So anytime there's a movie or a TV show that has some sort of idea of like meeting your maker, a god, like <laughs> it usually go ahead. Excuse me. Excuse me. What does God need with a starship? That was exactly it. Very good. <laughs> so you don't I ask was... the almighty for his license. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with a starship? I said, what does God need with a starship? Yeah. You don't ask the Almighty for his ID. So I was expecting some sort of lame payoff like that, yes. like that it was going to be something like, that was the best they could come up with. But no, they delivered yes. absolutely where it it was the best of both worlds, where they it was not a godlike figure. No. Um, but it was an intensely like enhanced human, you know, a futuristic right. genius. Yes. Who has who figured out the multiverse? It's like, oh, that. All right. So, so the movie I I did think of also was Seven for two reasons. One, <laughs> one that is the only other movie I could think of that has this whole build up to like Morgan Freeman even says like I think the only way we're going to be satisfied when we meet John Doe is if it's the devil himself. Or if we catch John Doe. And he turns out to be the devil. I mean, if he's Satan himself, that might live up to our expectations, but he's not the devil. He's just a man. Oh, you know, yes. it's like something like that. Yes. And it's like, okay, so it's not the devil, but then it, it's Kevin Spacey, <laughs> uh, which even at the time you see, it's like, yeah, that's, he, that's it. He like that John yeah. Doe lived up to everything that movie was building towards. Like it wasn't a character that was like most of those types of movies. It's usually someone who's been involved in the plot the whole time. Right. And in this case, it wasn't just like with Loki. So it's like they're building up, building up, building up. And then it's, you meet the person and so interesting. Why I also thought of seven is um, this character wants your protagonist to kill him. Yes. So that was the other thing that I got. I'm like, Oh my God, this was very That's much reminding so me of become vengeance. David. Oh, she's all right. You tell me become wrath. 
Tell me she's all right. Yeah, yeah. I had two different big so seven. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of that at all. But I mean, I don't. I, why, why would you think of seven when you're watching Loki? But um, <laughs> I found him to be very charismatic. It was kind of an exposition dump, but it was. His, the way he delivered it was interesting yeah. enough and it left so many questions and so much room for interpretation and so many possibilities. So it's like when he described, you know, if you kill me, all chaos is going to sit. It's like, right. if they don't do this, it's going to be such a missed opportunity. So I'm very yeah. glad that they did deliver on that. And I'm very much looking forward to that character. And then when there was the little tag at the end for what season two could look like, I, I want to see it. I, I want to see season two. <laughs> like I, I remember thinking, I think I even texted this to you that I've been enjoying Loki and I'm sure they're going to fuck it up on the last episode. But the twist was that it was good. That was, I mean, that was the twist. Yes. It's a, it's a surprise because it's not a twist. I mean, they, they slowly reveal their villain, but not in a way that's like frustrating and filled with sort of misdirection and lies. <laughs> like right. they just like, we don't want to reveal the villain. We want it. We want you to discover along with the characters. And yeah, of all the things, I'm so glad it was a character that if you're a comic book person, you're excited because you're like, Oh, that's awesome. They're including Kane, the conqueror. And if you're not, you're like, this is great. I just met a new interesting villain as opposed to like you said it being like it's odin but he's evil or like you know like yeah. something so, because initially that's what i thought it was it was because the initial the first twist of the show is that the person killing all these uh tva agents is a loki and then that it's it's a lady loki like i thought oh is that it's going to be loki fighting himself but no that's they immediately don't do that they very quickly reconcile the two characters which i enjoyed is the twist going to be that it's mobius is the villain it's like all the things they could have done that would have been right. very annoying and incredibly predictable they just went for the old-fashioned it's fun to give your villain a big reveal like that's that's what we want to do we just want you to be excited and nervous to meet our big villain it was great because yeah the timekeepers that was a stupid like even for marvel i was like oh that's, my God. that that's stupid yeah that is stupid. I, I hope Loki's right. I hope they are lying or like there's some other, cause it, it doesn't, it does kind of break the rules and integrity of the universe that they've set up so far. So yeah, the fact that they're robots was, was awesome. Like yeah, was, yeah. that, that I, was great. I was surprised they even showed. So they made, I definitely, at least at one point they made a man behind the curtain reference, which was obvious, but, yes. but which is fine. That's, you know, yes. it was appropriate. So I didn't think they would even show like a room or robot versions of, yes. I thought it was just going to be a whole charade. Like I didn't think there would even be like the elevator would just go to nothing. So that, that's what I feared. So the fact that it was like, <laughs> he took the time to make robots that said yes. like nonsense. I couldn't even understand them. I almost had to go back I, to put subtitles. <laughs> I think that's the running. I don't think anybody understood anything they were saying. Like, yeah. but again, ultimately it didn't matter because they don't matter to the plot. They're just kind of a device to move the characters uh, forward. I got flashbacks to um, now this is a twist. I did like, but I know other people don't. I got flashbacks to the Snoke throne room scene in the last Jedi. When oh, all yeah. of us, all of a sudden your, your sort of arch space wizard is dead because he's not, he doesn't actually matter to the plot. I kind of reminded me of that. And I, I think I know I'm probably in the minority. Most people would agree that this does it a lot better. Oh, like for sure. like for they, sure. they could, because the villain ended up being interesting and the motivations for him making fake timekeeper robots was very clear it wasn't that palpatine's behind it all like it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't any of that nonsense yeah it was like 
good. Um, the show kept not disappointing me, mm-hmm. which was a, which was a very pleasant. Ex- like each episode, I'm like, oh, this isn't getting dumber. This is getting better. <laughs> like, yeah, this isn't. This is improving in terms of where it's going and the approach it's taking. Kudos to it for. I, I know it texts to you. Every episode was within you know like a 40, 45 minute range. Yes. They were all like the same. They nice not too long, too short. It felt like. You know, it was both a mini movie, but it felt like a series as well. It was like good yeah. breaks to take the week off. I love that Disney Plus is actually doing the week to week thing. Yes. It, it, it feels like a TV show, gives you time to process and think, and you don't just binge it all at once. I, I like which that I, much. Which much I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. You did that. I, yeah. <laughs> and I, I did watch, you know, I think I watched four and five back to back. But other than that, I watched all of them separately, which was nice. It was like but- a refreshing. The fact that I, I binged it and I know what each, what each episode is. Like each yeah. episode is so distinctive and entertaining in its own right that the show does not blur together. Like unlike I remember, Falcon unlike, ex- or even WandaVision to a slightly lesser extent or to a lot of television where yeah. you binge it and it's like, uh, I don't know what happens in what episode. I remember there's the Dying Planet episode. There's the Hurricane in the Future Mall of Georgia episode. Like each one kind of stood on its own. And I mean, my favorite episode was was definitely the, I love the fact that, I don't know if this is the right interpretation, but I, I think the the reason that the void is filled with Lokis is that Loki is a survivor. Like he just has a unique ability to not die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think there, like mm-hmm. other variants don't necessarily thrive in the void, but Lokis do. And I love that. Yeah. And I love the scene where, all the Lokis betray each other. It's just a, oh, room, yeah. f- a room full of Lokis just double crossing one another. And it, it's, it was great. It was a lovely play on the fact that like, we know this character so well that it's really, that you can, can deconstruct it in this way. Like, of course there's a president Loki. There's the, the al- I love that it's an alligator Loki that they're not even sure if so he is funny. like yeah. just this nice, what's Mobius's line? Like, I don't remember him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've arrested a lot of Lokis, but I don't remember an alligator one. Like, it was great. It was it was, it was was perfect. Flippers and all, why now? It was funny that they used the President Loki so much in the marketing of this show, too. And then it ended up just yes. being like, a, like one little thing. I was waiting Which, for that to happen. Like, I thought the Loki we were following was yeah. going to be that one. So that was a cool little twist. Definitely a missed opportunity that Matt Damon wasn't one of those Lokis, though. I was. I thought of that after. I because oh, remember he had done it. In, yeah, he yes. was the Loki and Ragnarok. That would have been awesome if they yes. got him to do it. He but. was. He was. I know Chris Hemsworth did do like grunts for the uh, the frog for for, for for Frog Thor. But yeah, I mean that again. I love that. Like it reminded me of the Mandalorian in that the show advertises all these things, and all those things are basically in just one episode. Yep. Because the goal is to make television, like episodic, entertaining television. So, like, I thought it was going to be a whole complicated, but no, it's just, there's just one episode. And very quickly, we meet President Loki, who's, who has apparently appointed himself president of Loki's. And there's a little kid Loki, who yeah, he's, he's, good he, too. Yeah. he's in charge because he's, he's a variant because he killed Thor in childhood. Like, he's and the Loki. Not explained. That, which is, I love that just, too. Which is perfect. It's like, the Lokis can't believe it. It's like, that's all we've ever wanted to do is kill Thor. I can't believe you're the one that pulled it off. Um, I've seen people compare it. This is getting a lot of comparisons to uh, Rick and Morty because there's on that show, there's, there's all these different Ricks. But the thing is that in and of itself is a tribute to Marvel because there's a storyline where Reed Richards meets the council of Reeds. There's 
Reed Richards is from all across the multiverse. Oh, that um, the Flash <laughs> just the Flash yeah. just has done this in the last couple of years with Harrison yeah. Wells. There's the Council yes. of Wells, yeah. and they're like, all yeah. different versions of it. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Marvel is kind of like the Simpsons of genre storytelling. Like it's they've done everything first. I kind of got the Rick and Morty stuff. I, the biggest. I mean, now I'm going to get seven from it, but the, but before that, uh, Doctor Who. I ju- it really felt like Doctor Who because he's meeting different versions of himself. It almost felt like the Doctor's nemesis on Doctor Who is the Master. So it almost felt like a show about the Master traveling to different planets and meeting different versions of himself and slowly coming to terms with the fact that he should be less antagonistic and evil towards people. But other than that, I mean, it was its own thing. Like it, it had a lot of influences as so many genre sci-fi stuff does now. Like it's unavoidable to not be reminiscent of other things, but it stood on its own. It was just enjoyable in its own right. I was just so pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it and it didn't make my skin crawl. <laughs> no. You said it earlier, you know, that I'm so looking forward to this villain. Yes. Like you said, perfect contrast to Thanos, like definitely monologue. I think I I paused in the middle of that scene, probably to pee. I think it was like, no joke, like 15 straight minutes or 20 straight minutes, just the three of them in a room talking. But it was interesting. It was like compelling. It was interesting. Yeah. Like the, the best villains, right? Especially in this series, the best villains have been the ones who try to end wars instead of start wars, right? Yeah. So like the entire buildup to Thanos, for me, I did not think would ever be satisfactory. Right. It's like they're building the- up to this yeah. this big thing and he's just a giant purple space alien. Yeah. And then they come up with, and I think it's different from the comics is my understanding. I know in the comics he yes. loves, he's like in love with death and there's like yes. this complicated. So yes. I, I do think there's still partially, it's involved with killing half the population. But in this one, the motivation is like he's seen famine and blight or whatever it is on his own world and so it's like yeah he in his in his mind i'm gonna stop all this fighting i'm gonna stop suffering by eliminating the you know half of the equation so what a what a wonderful idea for a villain he wants to help people but he's a sociopath like what would what would happen if a sociopath wanted to do some good in the world he would do horrible things right like it's a really interesting hook and that's what we have now also in this case, it's like, you know, you keep me alive and uh, you take over and whatever. But if you kill me, I'm just, the circle is going to repeat itself and, and we'll find out if it, so it's like, there's so many, I'm looking forward to Marvel for the first time since, yeah, I guess I suppose I was, I was looking forward to Endgame, though I did not think they'd be able to top Infinity War, which Endgame does not, but it comes pretty close to doing it. The last time I was like, truly sort of like, Ooh, what's going to happen next in a Marvel movie was the end of age of Ultron when Thanos, I know this is not the line, but the tone of his line is fuck it. I'll do it myself. Like yeah. I was really excited. I was like, Oh, finally, we're just going to have Thanos. Be, yeah. Yeah. And then if, it's like six movies before we see him again. But that was the last time I was like, Ooh, okay. They're finally going to the Avengers kind of have just broken up. And now Thanos is coming like, Ooh, that's interesting. But instead they kind of went on this whole meandering. Each kind of character goes on a little spirit quest on their own. But this is, yeah, I agree with you. I'm sort of like, ooh, this is this will be fun. This is like a multi-dimensional, super goofy, cosmic end times. This is going to be interesting. And it, it could be a lot more interesting than I think the biggest flaw of Endgame is that, and I understand why they did it, because it's the last, it was the culmination of a of a lot of hard work. But it was really disappointing that after this kind of fun two hours of sort of time heisting and 
back to the future part two style hijinks of like, we have to avoid ourselves while we quietly prepare. And then it's just a big, it's just another battle between Thanos and his soldiers and the Avengers and their allies. Like that was disappointing. And that, that last battle is visually really ugly looking. Like it's just Brown and it's just, that was a very disappointing finale in my opinion, just because it's like, this isn't the Thanos that snapped his fingers. So it doesn't feel as triumphant when he himself gets dusted. Right. That's with all these variations. It's like, it's, it's, it's a risky move, but, but Loki, Loki paid off. Like we actually enjoyed seeing a different version of a character, whereas we didn't with, with Thanos previously. So they, they took a chance. They like, it feels like the reins were lifted just a little bit enough for the people making the show to kind of mess around and do their own thing to a certain extent. Obviously they want to set up the next big conflict, but they were given free reign to kind of do it their way, which I think is when Marvel succeeds, their most successful movies are the ones where it's like, sure, I will, I won't mess up your master plan, but let me tell a story with these characters. I think they finally have started to realize that that's like Taika Waititi. Don't worry. He'll be in place for where he needs to be for infinity war, but just let me actually do something with this character. Right. Yeah. I think, I hope they keep hiring people like Sam Raimi's probably the biggest, most accomplished director they've ever hired. Mm -hmm. And he has experience with this kind of stuff. And I mean, I still love his Spider-Man films. I I know the opinion is split on them, but I still think like that's the tone I want out of a superhero movie. That isn't Batman. (laughs) You know, the first two are great. The first two are great. Yes. Yes. I think they're untouchable. The third one is also exists. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, so most of the the upcoming projects, I think we're both interested in, but uh, I don't know if you saw a preview for, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It, no. It's no, gonna be not. the it's gonna be the average boring like it, now, it, it reminded me of like Doctor Strange one kind of like that that's what it looked like. I'm like mm. Isn't the thing with this is that this is the real Mandarin? Because there's the fake uh, Mandarin, which I know one day we'll have to play my Iron Man 3 voicemail, which will probably <laughs> cause me to become piercingly embarrassed, but I know that there's, there was the fake Mandarin and now this is, I think he's, I think this villain's supposed to be the real Mandarin. Oh, now I'm excited for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The trailer looked so boring. It it looked like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like that, that Eternals, like like, I'm not interested in the Eternals at least is that the one that Chloe Zhao directed? And, That's and the I know one we that, talked about it, that like they shot it on location. Kevin Feige had never seen a movie before. And he was like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that could shoot outside. <laughs> but yeah, I think what we're, it's like the next Doctor Strange movie, the next yes. season of Loki, the weird, even, st- I want the weird stuff. Even the fact that the next Ant-Man movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, like mm-hmm. that's delightful. Like, mm-hmm. I like that they're kind of naming these movies now with a bit more, you know, it's not the dark world, the winter soldier, like it's in the multiverse of madness. Like, I love that. Now is the time to have a bit more fun. Like, these are fun. A lot of these characters are from the 60s and 70s. They're from an incredibly colorful, creative time. I mean, they influenced, it wasn't just Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers that influenced George Lucas. Like, he has said that the 60s and 70s Marvel comics were also a huge influence on him for making Star Wars the way he made it. So, yeah, I would love it if they kind of kept with, up with this approach, not the half-baked conspiracy 
basically not the Russo brother approach. I don't yeah. like their take on this on these characters in this world. But they nailed it with Infinity War. Well, I, I think those screenwriters. Are, I think yes, yeah. Infinity War is is an anomaly because I really like Infinity War because of how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Um, but then Endgame was like, oh yeah, like scenes of them. Captain America's running a, a grief counseling session for it's like I appreciate the the acknowledgement that this would change the world, but like this is a bummer. <laughs> like I don't, yeah, wanna, yeah. I, I don't really wanna wanna see this. Black Widow just lonely p- making PB and J sandwiches all by herself in the Avengers compound. Like it's depressing. Yeah. Like in a way that I kind of don't think they have a formula, they have a recipe that works and they just need to kind of let very talented chefs make food with it. Does that yeah. analogy make any sense? Yeah, no, I think now that they've established themselves, I'd love, you know, I know they can't pay top dollar presumably for the directors because of how much these movies cost to make. Oh, but, please. They can absolutely. Okay. I, yeah. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. They won't. They, they won't. won't. That's um, It's a yeah, cost. That, that's, that is what I meant to say. Of course they can't. It's how much they've made. Like, I can't imagine they're going to give James Cameron, you know, $30 million to make a movie or, or well, something like that. I don't want well, no, 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 to. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to think of someone, you know, yeah. like a Sam, you know, like, like, I'd like to see someone who's kind of like in the middle of their careers right now, maybe yeah. make this like, you know, like I, I think Sam Raimi, he's on the back nine, but still like it's, it's a genre he's been in. He hasn't been in it previously. So I, I'd like to see more creativity in, in hiring more. Yeah. talented filmmakers especially directors instead of bring just back, like director of the week bring back people like kenneth Branagh. it's like we picked him because yeah. no, no not a thor's not a great movie but i totally get why they picked him oh this is like a shakespeare play Ooh, we should get kenneth Branagh. Yeah. you know captain america it's like a 40s adventure Ooh, we should get the guy that did the rocketeer it's like i understand why they hired these people and now mm-hmm. it's like yeah i kate shorthand shortland is that who it's like yeah i who who knows who directs half these movies like oh yeah yeah like just, i haven't it, known who, like the first uh you know, doctor strange or captain marvel yes. or like yeah. i haven't known any of these directors before the movie came out rented directors and it's just they, they yeah. show up they film the dialogue scenes and then everything else is off their plate mm-hmm. the edgar wright thing like everyone agrees oh. that whatever he would have brought to ant-man would have been much more interesting than what peyton reed brought to it and it's like a shame like they could have had edgar wright directing a marvel movie like what a squandered opportunity oh yeah for sure so we'll we'll see what uh what these next few projects look like i i'm glad we're getting at least a little bit of a break though i don't think the next yes. anything is down until september or october so um now we have next we have james Gunn's the suicide squad to look forward yes. to, and that'll be here oh in a couple weeks actually so mm-hmm. all right well thank you so much for listening I want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life.